If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment. Fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun. Coming up, I'll be talking with the undefeated lineal heavyweight boxing champion and now undefeated in WWE, Tyson Fury, SmackDown superstar, and my guy, Cesaro, and NXT champion, the current hottest name in the business, Adam Cole. WWE After the Bell starts uh, now. Welcome, welcome once again. I am Corey Graves. This is WWE After the Bell, the first ever podcast on the WWE platform, and I'm still here, so high five to myself. What a week it's been. I'm still not entirely sure what planet I am on. The jet lag is real, folks. It has been an insane week in the WWE universe and beyond. I live to tell the tale, and I'm going to start out right out of the gate by addressing the elephant in the room. I've read the same rumors online that you have, and if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you probably read some of those news sites. And look, the rumors, I've heard the same ones. I can neither confirm nor deny some aspects of those things, but I'm not in the business of rumor mongering, okay? This isn't me towing the company line. This is me speaking to you as a human being who lived through it firsthand. I was there. You were not. So I'm going to tell you what I know. We went over to Saudi Arabia for Crown Jewel, as we have done, I believe, four times now. It was an awesome experience. The travel over there was easy. It was fun. We were all on this enormous charter jet, had a great time, got there the night before, had a day off to spend in Saudi Arabia. And let me be the one to say, I had my reservations the first time I went over there as well. But the people over there have been nothing but gracious. The service, the food, the hotels, everything was high class, very enjoyable. And again, I'm speaking for myself personally. I had no sort of negative experiences, aside from the fact that my body did not adjust to Saudi time, which I believe is seven hours ahead of East Coast time. But Crown Jewel, the experience was awesome. The event surpassed expectations, in my opinion, but we'll get to all that later. Back to the aforementioned elephant in the room, the travel snafu, as we were calling it internally. It was weird. It was definitely unusual. We got to the airport immediately after the Crown Jewel event. There were a litany of delays, and no one seemed to be able to get a surefire answer as to what was causing the delays. We heard everything from the fuel truck was parked on the runway, and the guy who drove the fuel truck wasn't there. There was literally... 10 or 15 different reasons why we couldn't get on the plane. Everyone was exhausted. We just wanted to get on the plane, get some sleep, and get ready to head back to the States, to Buffalo for SmackDown. As has been well publicized, there have been quite a few theories as to what actually happened. Long story short, and again, I am speaking from personal experience. This is all I know. This is what I know. We got on the plane. We all were in our seats, ready to take off. The flight crew Shout out to them, by the way, because they were awesome on the way over. Came around and took our food orders for the flight. There was some confusion regarding the pilots. Uh, I was seated in the upper deck right outside of the, the cockpit. Pilots were going back and forth. There was some sort of mechanical issue 
I am not an airline pilot. I can barely, you know, wind my own watch, so I don't know exactly the, the ins and outs of what happened. Sat on the plane for a while. They shut the plane down. They restarted it to see if whatever they were attempting to fix had worked. It hadn't worked. In the time it took to get all this done, the flight crew had timed out, and we were all informed that we would not be taking off. So they deplaned everybody. At some point, there were some people from management came around and said, hey, if we can get a group of you guys to SmackDown, would you be willing to do it? This is where it comes down to being a professional. We wanted to do it. So the, the reported, uh, we've been given the, the sort of hashtag or, or nickname, the Saudi 20. Depending on who you ask, it was the 20 most important people in the company or the 20 most important people on the plane. That wasn't the case. What it boiled down to was the people who were advertised for Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Your King Corbins, Roman Reigns, The Revival, New Day. Guys that had advertised matches who did not want to let anybody down, including ourselves. I remember talking to Roman on the plane. Roman has not missed TV for any reason beyond you know illness or scheduled reasons. We all take a lot of pride in what we do. So when we say, hey, this show's going down, that's what we do. It had nothing to do with who was more important or who had the most cachet. There are a lot more important people than you know myself and Michael Cole and, and Sweaty the Camera Guy that made it onto that smaller charter. But the fact is, it was decided who was essential to make Friday Night SmackDown as close to whole as possible, and the efforts were made. Obviously, it didn't work out, but that was the effort. What really got to me was when the rumors started coming out. The first one being Mr. McMahon that Vince left everybody in Saudi Arabia. That's not true, and I'm going to tell you why. If you work here, you know that every week, no matter where on the planet Earth we are, as soon as the final bell rings, as soon as it's made sure that all the talent is okay, whoever was in the last match, Vince gets on his jet and goes home or to the next city because the guy's busy running WWE. So it might be a sexy headline saying, oh, well, Vince left before everybody. Everyone was stuck except for Vince and Brock and whoever else had private chartered flights. When you're Brock Lesnar, you get certain perks. When you're Tyson Fury and you're one of the biggest names in sports, you get to fly on your own jet. When you're, when you're Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, yeah, you've earned that, okay? So it wasn't like he said, oh, to hell with the talent, to hell with the crew. Vince did exactly what he has done. Every week, without fail. I've been lucky enough to be on the jet with him sometimes. That's how business is done. It wasn't some, oh, got to get the hell out of the country. Uh, There's something crazy going on. It was exactly how it works. So I hate to break it to you guys. I hate to put a damper on your party. But that's how things operate every week. This was no different. Which, understandably, led to some talent. Led to some of the crew going, oh my god, we're stuck here. This sucks. And it did. It sucks. No one wants to be stuck in an FBO airport. It doesn't even have a a bar or a restaurant or anything like that for hours on end. Nobody wants to be sitting on a plane on the tarmac for hours on end. It sucks. There's no two ways about it. But all these conspiracy theories that have been drawn up, and half of it comes from from some of the boys that were on the plane. If you are that insecure and you feel so strongly that you're going to get on Twitter and complain because our flight got screwed up for whatever the reason would be, what's Twitter going to do? All it is is fuel for these journalists, so to speak, and then it gets on the internet and everyone puts their two cents in and starts coming up with their conspiracy theories. And if you're mad because your flight got delayed and you weren't one of the Saudi 20, you weren't important enough to get on the jet, that's on you. Quit crying about it on Twitter. You're a WWE superstar. This happens. This is part of our life. We all have travel woes. We all have travel issues. You know who wasn't complaining? Randy freaking Orton. If anyone has the cachet and the right to speak his mind and raise hell, it would be Randy Orton. He's got a bit of a reputation for doing that. But Randy got it. 
It wasn't because any of us that were on that smaller charter were more important than anybody else. It was about doing the damn show. It was about being a professional, delivering what's advertised. It was the company and then maybe the network trying to decide who can make this show as close to whole as possible. But it didn't work out that way. And in the end, SmackDown turned out to be pretty freaking awesome anyway. So all your conspiracy theories, feel free to do it. There's nothing I can say that's going to shut you up or, or silence your Twitter fingers. It is what it is. That's from the mouth of a man who lived through everything. I was on the first charter. I was on the second charter. I was one of the ones that was unable to make it to SmackDown. But damn it, we tried. It might be fun to speculate, but the speculation is not the truth. All right. Rant over. That's all I'm going to say about that. But Crown Jewel was not all negative. In fact, in my opinion, it had quite a few positives. Dare I say Crown Jewel exceeded some of the WWE Universe's expectations, myself included. We've got a brand new Universal Champion. You guys have been clamoring for it. The Fiend is the new Universal Champion. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. You guys finally got what you want. Made a little history. The first ever women's match to take place in Saudi Arabia. And we've all seen the pomp and circumstance surrounding that. On a personal note, it was super cool to me. We, we had an on-camera, Michael Cole and I, right after the matchup, and I said something to the effect of having a lump in my throat. That was legit. The feeling there was tangible. It was really, really cool. Very happy for Natalia and Lacey for being able to do what they did. Uh, I looked at it as a father of two daughters and thought about you know what change this could potentially affect way down the line. Either way, very cool moment. And, of course, the much-anticipated... WWE debuts of Kane Velasquez, who came up a little bit short in a fast and furious, I thought really fun match with Brock Lesnar. People, of course, whining and complaining that they expected more. I thought it was really cool. It was very close to an MMA-style fight. I had no issue with it. I thought it was kind of fun. And the debut of my next guest, the man who was in very, very real danger of getting the hands of one Braun Strowman, but escaped Crown Jewel unscathed. He is the reigning lineal heavyweight boxing champion of the world. He's undefeated in the boxing world and now the WWE world. It is my honor to introduce to you, Mr. Tyson, the Gypsy King Fury. So Tyson, you've had a few days to recover, reflect, digest your uh, first ever experience in a WWE ring. How are you feeling? I feel fantastic. It was a great experience. I enjoyed every minute of it. It was a lifelong dream fulfilled. I'll start right at the top. That entrance you came up with was absolutely incredible. One of the most grandiose entrances ever in WWE. Who comes up with the ideas for your entrances in WWE or the boxing world? Yeah, it was a fantastic entrance, as always. I always come up with the entrances myself. And, um, yeah, flamboyant, extravagant, eccentric, all of those things combined. We know that you're a lifelong fan of, of this business, uh, what, if any, misconceptions did you have before you jumped into this world? I didn't realize how hard it was. I didn't realize the commitment that people put in. I didn't realize how much work and work ethic you have to have to be a WWE superstar. Now, I appreciate even more what they have to go through to achieve on the night. What was the most daunting or difficult part of preparing for your match at Crown Jewel? It was all the traveling about, all the media stuff I had to do in preparation for the fight. I've heard you mention that in some of your media interviews. The amount of travel that we do in this, this world is second to none. I mean, it's truly, truly an experience you can't appreciate until you finally have to live through it. It truly is. You know, I didn't realize how much you had to uh, work 
and travel, but it was uh, it was definitely worth it. What is it like? What's going through your mind as somebody who's not a full time WWE competitor when you see somebody the size of Braun Strowman, six foot eight, three hundred eighty five pounds, coming full force at you? What's going through your mind? What's going through my mind at that moment is I just want to smash up. I'm putting on a good show for the fans. I would say you succeeded on all fronts, putting on a show. Where's your focus now? I mean, we know we've got Deontay Wilder looming in the future. What's next for Tyson Fury? Next for Tyson Fury, I've got Deontay Wilder, February 22nd. I'm looking to get that fight out the way first, and then I'll go back to the drawing board and see where we go from there. I always live one fight at a time and never look past the opponent no matter who it is. All right, well, I'm going to ask you to contradict yourself a little bit here. You, you seem to have really enjoyed your experience here in WWE. Let's say beyond Deontay Wilder, beyond your next fight, what are the odds we see Tyson Fury in a WWE ring sometime in the future? Hopefully you see me in the ring again. And I want to fight um, Brock Lesnar next. One clip from the Gypsy King, Lesnar will wake up in Tokyo. Well, we are glad you had a great experience. I personally cannot wait to uh, see you and Deontay Wilder go toe-to-toe again, and hopefully I'll keep my fingers crossed that we have that Tyson Fury-Brock Lesnar showdown sometime in the future. Who knows? It may happen at WrestleMania in Florida. <laughs> That's awesome. A big shout-out to Vince McMahon and everybody who works at WWE. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you calling in. No problem. All right, thank you, Tyson. Good luck to you, man. We're talking all things crown jewel for the moment, and my next guest is a man who could be said to have been one that stole the show last week over in Saudi Arabia. He's a personal favorite of mine, a longtime friend. Please welcome Cesaro. Can I still call you Sterling? Can we just say that I did steal the show? And uh, I would also like to say I do not approve that you plug hair growth uh, <laughs> materials as a commercial on Listen, your podcast. I, I gotta, got it ta- all out of the way. Got it all out of the way right away. Right on. I, I appreciate the uh, the sponsorship from Keeps. I got to pay the bill somehow. But, sure. But, yes. uh, but I just wanted to let every single man out there know that has hair loss. Just cut it off. Don't hang on. It looks great. <laughs> you wear it well, my friend. I try to. So we mentioned stealing the show over at... Crown Jewel, and you had a match with Mansoor, who to the majority of the WWE universe is relatively unknown, but uh, especially where it took place over in Riyadh, definitely a high-profile match. What were your thoughts and feelings going into this matchup? My thoughts is I'm going to steal the show. <laughs> and, uh, like uh, the last couple of pay-per-views I've been on, I would say uh, Mission succeeded. You know, it was uh, probably one of those... Uh, you know, other few matches that uh, certain people were like, oh, you know, if this, is, if this does really well, it will open some eyes and it will help you in the long run. And, you know, I mean, that uh, remains to be seen since I was told to me over the last three or four times, too. So, you know, I do what I do best and what I have fun doing. And uh, I feel like the people, my people out there listening to this and watching the show appreciate it. And you certainly do in commentary, I hope so. Well, you mentioned going out there and trying to steal the show. I mean, over the past year, it could be argued you've done that on, on a regular basis. I mean, we had uh, the NXT UK takeover with Ilya Dragunov, uh, your match with Aleister Black, the six men I, yep. I ranted and raved about where you and Roman Reigns the last few minutes really <laughs> kind of set the world on fire. What keeps you going? I mean, you, you well, could be said that you, you don't get your just due. I mean, I think I, I certainly agree with that. I know you're not the type to, to say that, but we all know it. What keeps Cesaro going night after night? There's certain things that are out of your control, right? It's predetermined who wins and who loses, right? So um, I'm really sorry if anybody listening to this podcast hasn't known that. 
um, you know, just watch even watch even WWE television every now and again. And really high up people will actually mention that on live TV. But that is not for me to decide. The only thing that I can control is when I enter the ring and when I exit the ring and what I do in the middle of it. And every single time, be it one minute. I had a match that was, I think it was like one minute and less. It was, it was like a three-minute segment. It was with Miz and it was in Wilkes-Barre and it was a few years back on SmackDown. And I just remember we tried to have the best one-minute match possible. And I think we succeeded. So if you ever look it up, it's me and Miz. I think the finish is me doing a head scissor into a cross face. But it's like a minute long. And it's just like every single time, that's the only thing I, I can control. That's what I love doing. That's what keeps me going because people remember every single time they see me step in the ring. It's awesome. It's fun to watch. I feel that's why people gravitate towards me. I mean, there's other people that have great entrances, great promos and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the bell will ring and you'll have to step up in the ring. Well, to that point, we know, I mean, it's no secret that from bell to bell is where you, you truly excel and where you're most comfortable and happy. Recently, we saw Finn Balor make a return to NXT, uh, which would, could be said as the most in-ring oriented of our WWE brands. Have you ever put any thought into maybe taking a return trip down to NXT, well, a brand that you helped put on the map? I want to succeed on Raw and SmackDown. You know what I mean? And uh, would I succeed at NXT? Yes. I would just want to be successful. I want to do what I do best. And, you know, uh, you said about me being the best bell to bell. I think I'm pretty good at everything. I'm pretty good all-rounder. I know people, you know, hate on the way I talk or whatever, but English is not my first language when I came to the United States that I had to rely kind of on my wrestling more. And also because I traveled to Mexico and Japan when I didn't speak Spanish or still don't or Japanese, and you have to engage the crowds no matter where you go. It was the same in Europe. You know, when I started, you know, Germany, Austria, Italy, all those places, different languages, uh, the crowd likes different things. You have to realize what they like, what they don't like within the first couple of minutes and just engage them and take them on that roller coaster. And I think that helps, especially when we travel internationally, while, you know, there's people who, you know, they have their promos or whatever, and they like, well, they do understand English here. I don't care if they understand English there or if they don't. Once I step in the ring, they'll get what I'm doing, and that's the fun. And then wrestling guys I've never had, like Ilya Dragunov, you know, that like that was my first day I met him, first time I wrestled, and it was so much fun. So at the end of the day, I feel even if you watch NXT, those days where some people have a 15, 20-minute monologue are hopefully gone because there needs to be conflict big enough that you don't just talk about it for 15 minutes, that you actually go do something or somebody else is coming to do something about it. That's what's interesting to me. Well, and I think you're living proof of that. Where it's it's the sports entertainment business. Everybody has their flavor of ice cream that they prefer. Some people do enjoy 15 minute diatribes to open a show. But really, really, the, if they do, if they do, I really encourage <laughs> them to go watch some stand up comedy or something. You know, <laughs> but like it needs to drive the action. It needs to drive the product. And some people can do that. And some people, you know, it's just like okay, let's let's move on. Let's have some action coming. And to me, the most fun segment, even when I used to watch, uh, you know, I was always happy when they said that there's some interruptions and some physicality and you know catchphrases where people can sing along and all that kind of stuff you know it, it's interactive it's fun what's something about cesaro that most of the world doesn't know oh man uh probably a lot xavier always gets mad at me because i'm decent at everything <laughs> oh that's what he thinks humble and uh, positive i'm decent at uh, everything um you know i mean <laughs> You know, I'm incredibly humble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I mean, like, I used to make my own ring gear. That's usually my, my go-to, even when I started in WWE, you know. Yeah, I know how to sew and all that stuff. Unfortunately, nowadays, I don't don't really have more time. Um, big pet peeve 
of mine is having to call into podcasts. That goes out to your producers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I know. I'm new. Uh, I know. I know. But it's, it's okay. So here's the other amazing thing, you know, that, that you have the podcast, right? And like within, what is it? Like this is the second week and it's already number three last week, right? So hopefully it's going to be number one this week on the iTunes sports charts. And We, uh, don't, uh, we don't just set the bar. We are the we, bar. We are the bar. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, Let's see if it goes up. Let's have me on more. If it goes down, let's uh, revisit that stretch. Well, speak, <laughs> right. Well, speaking of the bar, uh, you had any updates on Seamus? We, I, I ran into him on a movie set a few months ago, and he was in good spirits and looked great, but I haven't seen or oh, heard word in, one. He's in great spirits. Uh, you know, it, it really is true. We became best friends uh, during our run as, at the bar, uh, and we still are the bar, both, uh, no matter what happens in the future. And, uh, you know, I talk to him all the time. He's still in great shape, believe it or not. By the way, okay, so now I can tell this story because I'm actually on the podcast and I have some time. Uh, how much time do we have? As much as you who want. Do, who, who else do we have on this podcast this, this week? <laughs> we have uh, Tyson Fury we just wrapped up with, and I've got Adam okay. Cole coming up in the future. Oh, all right, sweet. So, you know, Seamus had a bet with himself, and I think he told a story too, about at WrestleMania this year, he wanted to be lighter than me. He told his people on the Celtic Warrior uh, workout channel, right, uh, on YouTube, but he didn't tell me. So the weeks leading up to WrestleMania just keeps asking me how much I weigh. And I just like, I don't know, I'm still like, I don't know, 225, 230, right? And he's just like grinning ear to ear every single time. And at WrestleMania, finally goes like, ah, I almost caught you. And I'm like, wait, this was a game? Like, if you would have told me, I would have, I would have, would have, I don't know, died it or something as well. But it was just like, it was so funny. It's such, such a typical Sheamus moment. He was just so happy and just grinning ear to ear that he like, he almost got me at WrestleMania. I mean, like he gets himself in amazing shape and he still is and he works out like a maniac. So props to him. But that's kind of our relationship. It's just like that brotherly just rivalry where we just give each other constant crap. So, yeah. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, People don't know about Zara. I don't know. You can just. How about you? You ask, and then next time we talk about it. Well, that sounds great. But uh, where can yeah. people find now, you on on social media and what you're up to right now? Uh, well, you can find me on WWE Zara. That's Twitter and Instagram. But uh, I'm I'm very lackadaisical about it. I don't feel like posting a lot because I don't know. I have this love hate relationship with social media. I guess, which is I know I should do more, and I know it will be beneficial, but. It's just like I get put off by it sometimes because so many people are just so fake, and I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. Understood. So, so uh, you know, if you see me post and it's just something that I that I'm happy about or passionate about or just want to, um, if not, you you don't find me posting, and I feel that uh, you know I don't want to force myself to have my one daily positivity tweet with a, some you know saying that somebody else once said about how good to live your life. <laughs> well, as we've, wanna, as we've learned, want that. one daily quote from Cesaro about positivity wouldn't begin to cover the earth <laughs> with, with, with the amount well, of positivity you bring to the business, man. I, I would well, appreciate well, it. Thank you. Thank you. I just feel like you said, like there's, there's certain things you can control and certain things you can. And we're around each other so much that you just have to, you know, I, I would rather try to lift somebody up by being funny. So um, even if I go on, like, uh, I guess that's one of my Cesaro rants. I feel you're, you're a fan of those that I just go on a rant for like four or five minutes. But it's all in good fun. And, you know, it makes people laugh. And that's what it's all about, you know, entertain people and have a good time. Because we're traveling the world. You know, we were just in Saudi last week and we're in Europe this week. So it's just it's places that you maybe wouldn't go um, if, if you would just be a normal, normal person. But we are not. 
we travel around the world fake fighting in our underwear. <laughs> <laughs> we are certainly far from normal. And uh, hey, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. If you're anything like me, you're still trying to figure out the jet lag and prepare for more. I'm actually in Switzerland. So, uh, you know, two days at home for another year. So that will hold me over water. But um, thank you for having me on, definitely. All right, Cesaro, go enjoy your uh, your time in the, in the homeland and get, try to get your body back on some sort of schedule. And uh, thank you, as always, for hanging out. I'll see you in a couple of days. Thank you. Take it easy. Always an interesting chat with Cesaro. Uh, much appreciated for him calling in, taking time out of his schedule. Uh, we touched on it briefly. Cesaro had a big match at Crown Jewel. We already spoke to Tyson Fury about his experience. And what about the other thing that has the WWE Universe a buzz right now? And that would be The Fiend Bray Wyatt, your new Universal Champion. The matchup at Hell in a Cell we discussed last week briefly with Seth Rollins wasn't necessarily beloved by the fans. This one, I haven't seen quite as much anger and outrage. Hopefully that's because the fans got what they want. The Fiend is the champion. Now, what do we get? That's what I am curious to see. Where do we go from here? The Fiend, this unkillable monster, is now the universal champion. Does that mean we have another part-time champion since The Fiend doesn't seem to show up every single week? I don't want to see The Fiend every week. I love The Fiend coming out from time to time. Does Bray take the universal title to the Firefly Funhouse? That could make some interesting interactions uh, and probably some entertaining content. Everything that Bray Wyatt's been doing recently has been awesome. Definitely a bright spot in WWE, whether it be on Raw or SmackDown. But I can say that I am not looking forward to any more of that damn red light during the Fiend matches. I'm not going to get off on another rant. I already wasted enough breath at the top of the show. But let's hope Bray Wyatt defends the title. I could totally use some Firefly Funhouse music and some puppets and lights during a WWE pay-per-view main event. What a show we've had so far. Two awesome guests, Tyson Fury, Cesaro. One more major one yet to come. But before that, I want to talk about Monday Night Raw. I battled said jet lag to make sure I stayed up till 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, lots to cover from Raw. Time is of the essence, so I'll just stick to my biggest takeaways. The first one, of course, opening the show, kicking things off with the fact that the beast Brock Lesnar is back on Monday Night Raw. Selfishly, I hate that because I am a massive Brock Lesnar fan. Love calling his matches, love watching what he does, but he has made the choice to stick to the red brand on Monday nights, probably to save his advocates some travel. That would be my guess because Brock is a benevolent human being, if nothing else. And that benevolence carried over to Raw where he made it known that he is hunting Rey Mysterio, the wrestling fan in me. Super stoked on the possibility of this matchup. It's been announced for Survivor Series, Lesnar versus Mysterio for the WWE Championship. Brock and smaller opponents almost always leads to magic. And when it comes to undersized opponents, Rey Mysterio, arguably the greatest of all time. I think it's going to be magic. I'm bummed that I'm not going to get to call it, but I will be in the house in Chicago to enjoy Lesnar and Mysterio as a fan, which is something that is relatively new to me, to not have to speak words and shout phrases during the match. I'm going to just sit back and enjoy it. And I think you all will too. Uh, Something that I don't think you will enjoy because God knows I haven't is this endless soap opera between Rusev and Lana and Lashley. My God, let it end. Let the suffering stop. I don't feel bad for Rusev. I think Rusev looks ridiculous. He's got a smoke show for a wife. She bailed on him for some 
reasons that were brought up but never really covered. Good on my man Bobby Lashley, though, putting in that work to the point where he injured himself, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. I'm curious to know exactly what was being performed to suffer a supposed groin tear, which, as we learned, was not actually a torn groin. What a ruse, though. I don't understand where Randy Orton fits into all this, aside from the fact that he just loves to freaking RKO people. It makes the crowd happy, which, uh, let's be honest, the Long Island crowd was on mute for the good majority of the evening. We should look into that. Just going to leave it at that. But yeah, let it end. Let Rusev and Lashley do what they do. Two very capable, talented sports entertainers, wrestlers, whatever you want to call them. They're super talented. Let them have an awesome match because I believe they are capable of it. I believe we're getting there. But the less of this outrageous story, it's like somebody who has never been in a relationship writing their idea of what some sort of romance scandal would be. It's very strange. It's very, very strange for me. It's very hard for me to get into. Definitely a low point for me, but it's not my sandbox. Fortunately for me, the rest of the three hours was jam-packed with NXT goodness as we make the march towards Survivor Series where the first time ever it will be Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. We saw Friday night NXT coming in, taking advantage of a depleted roster. Those of us were stuck in the middle of the air for many, many hours. Did not make it. Triple H and his army wasted no time in providing some excitement, a little jolt of excitement for Friday night for the blue brand, and that followed through to Monday Night Raw. And, of course, right behind Triple H and HBK leading the charge would be the face of NXT, the reigning NXT champion, and my guest at this time, Adam Cole. Baby. Adam, welcome to After the Bell. Thanks for taking time out of your taking over schedule because let's be honest this week has had to have been nuts for you Holy and the rest cow. of the NXT roster yeah yeah it's been, and so much of that not only for the you know a huge step for me getting the main event Smackdown and main event Raw and like my debuts on these shows but like the time I had found out both of these were incredibly last minute obviously you were talking about the situation where so many of you were stuck so Smackdown had to be kind of ad-libbed last minute and then with the situation with Raw, too, this was also very last minute. So it's like the most exciting few days of my career, I think, but also some of the most stressful. But, but it's been really fun. Welcome to WWE. You, you've been here long <laughs> enough to know that's, that's, that's how we operate. So right, before right. we get into this week, which we will delve deep into, I, I want to take things back a few weeks. Before this past week happened and all the chaos that had ensued when I knew you were going to be a guest on the show, I, I was curious. You... As the NXT champion, arguably the face of the brand, um, mm-hmm. as, as all of our champions are, kind of the guy for our respective brands, you were sort of leading the charge. You were front and center for the big changeover from NXT going from WWE Network to USA Network. In right. your mind, in your position, what was going through your head? How did you feel making the jump? Yeah, so for me, I was just super, super excited. Like, like I, me personally, I don't want to speak for everybody else, but I know our crew at NXT has felt for a long time now that if just more people got the chance to, to watch the brand, I think we'd get a bunch of people to fall in love with it. Um, I, I know people who aren't even wrestling fans who come and, and check out an NXT show or watch NXT, and there's just a, like a certain excitement that they feel when they watch our show. 
So w- when we had this opportunity again to jump to USA, I was I was just thrilled because I thought this is so cool that potentially so many new people are going to get the chance to to watch us. And then of course, with the excitement comes the stress and the pressure that we all put on ourselves to perform because taped TV is much different than live TV, as you know. So yeah, a little bit of that too, but we're generally very excited about it. Speak a little more to that about the, the difference between going from recorded to a live environment. I mean, we, we've known in the past NXT TakeOver, really the, the big live show for that brand. Yeah. And you have a little bit of leeway because it was on mm-hmm. WWE Network. If you go a little bit over right. the allotted time, you know, you're not going to get crucified for that. But now you're on the network. You have a, a strict set of standards. H- have you had any sort of speed bumps or any sort of adjustments to that point? So. Yeah, you know, there have definitely been situations, nothing too crazy, but, you know, situations where you think that you're going to have less time and then you end up needing to fill time or vice versa. You know, when, when there's like a situation where, oh, crap, we got about five minutes till we go off the air. We got to we got to get rolling. So it, it definitely different in that sense, because uh, like you had said, when we would do taped, I mean, yeah, if someone went a little long, if someone went a little short, it didn't matter. You could just fill it, fill it no problem. But and even takeovers again, there was like you had just said, there was a decent amount of leeway there too so yeah with this it's just really paying attention to to times at which we fortunately like haven't really had to do so much but now yeah there's a, a major focus on it what, what does it mean to you to have a, a superstar like finn balor coming back into the fold in the nxt i mean personally it's really cool because i actually before finn came to the wwe i had like one of his farewell matches on the independence over in europe so like that was the first time we had met, and then we had kind of stayed in contact ever since then. So it's been so cool, kind of seeing his journey. Like before I was in NXT, the run that he had in NXT, and then him going on to having his really successful career. But but to have it kind of spin back around and have him back here is huge for us. I mean, he's proven at this point how much of a main event player he is and can be. And I think there's so many cool dream matches that, that our fans are just clamoring over, imagining him getting in the ring with people. So. Yeah, I think it's great. It's definitely good for the brand, and I think it's good for Finn, too. I, I think he's really excited to be back. I was there in the, the early days of NXT, uh, the first days, actually, of NXT. There was always sort of that chip-on-our-shoulder mentality. It was, it was us versus the machine, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I, I'm obviously not in as deep with NXT as I once was. Um, does that sort of mentality still permeate the locker room? Is it still that us-versus-them mentality? You know, I don't know, um, because that's a great question. There there is a certain demand and expectation we all have of ourselves. Like, like I know one of the coolest things to me about our crew, as far as what we're focusing on, like, for example, a takeover event, like, our whole roster will sit there and watch the entire show. And, And when someone has, like, a killer match, everybody is thrilled. And everybody is like, oh, my God, you did, you did so awesome. You did so great. So there's this certain, I guess, sense of wanting to prove it to yourself that you can go and you're good and you're a top-level performer and a top-level athlete. But as far as, like, focusing on what everybody else is doing, I don't know. At least for me, I'm not thinking about that. When I, when I have a match that night or whatever I'm doing that night, I'm just focused on making sure my segment or my match is exciting and as good as possible. Um, I mean, of course, for some people, I think that does – create like the us versus them mentality but generally i think we treat it as like us versus us so you self-admitted just now that you're kind of it's still a learning curve coming from a recorded atmosphere to the live atmosphere now fast forward to this past friday the whole world gets turned upside down the crew gets stuck traveling and you get a call that you and the nxt crew are going to smackdown walk me through the early part of that day Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, I got a, uh, 
I got a text message about 2.15 saying, hey, there's a chance, you know, you might be needed for SmackDown. And then two minutes after that, it was, you're needed for SmackDown and a plane leaves in an hour and a half. So fortunately, I was home. So I quickly, you know, get all my stuff together and get all rushed. And we get there and we're waiting on this plane because the plane's late. We're kind of figuring out the idea of what we're going to be doing while we're in the air. When we do land, we land at about 7.30. But again, this is in Buffalo, so there's like a decent little trip yet to get there. We walk into the arena at around 8.15, 8.20. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman were just finishing in the ring. We're, yeah, and that is kind of how the, the, <laughs> the whole process started. It was a, definitely one of the wackiest days of my career because I think at that point, you know, me and Brian ended up walking out to the ring around 9.30, so it was like I had to about an hour to kind of get ready and get focused and get in the zone and all that jazz. But yeah, totally wild day. But it, it all happened so fast that it almost didn't feel real. Like it was such a crazy. I remember that night being like, yeah, oh my God, I can't believe that happened today. Very stressful, but but really, really cool. Well, and just for perspective, we were initially the, the, the smaller charter. We're trying to get there in time to yeah. make SmackDown. We actually landed. We touched down in New York just I believe you guys had the bell had just rung on your oh, match wow. with Daniel Bryan. So we actually were still on the charter and we'd gotten, you know, obviously cell service back and we got to catch the tail end of that one. Oh, cool. How how cool was it for you to to do battle with Daniel Bryan? One almost almost in a way one of your predecessors from the the independent darling to now, you know, megastar in WWE. It, what what was going through your mind there? Right. Yeah, I, again, that was so cool for so many reasons cuz I uh, like, like when I was younger, you know, all I watched was WWE. That was it. And then I remember when I had access to the internet, this opened up all these different types of wrestling that you could find. And one of the first guys that popped up was Daniel Bryan or, you know, Brian Danielson at the time. And I remember seeing him in ring of honor and being like blown away by this guy. I just couldn't stop watching his matches. I was such a big fan of his right around the time I started working for ring of honor. Brian was on his way out. So I you know, met him a few times, got to watch him live a few times, always learned something and was still a giant fan of his. So then to see him go on and do his thing and then me kind of go up through the ranks like you had said on the independence, Brian was a guy I had never wrestled. Like in my 12 years of wrestling, I've never gotten the chance to step into the ring with him. So it was crazy and awesome that the first time happened to be absolute last minute live on Friday Night SmackDown. <laughs> But yeah, that that was awesome, and he was everything I had hoped he would be. The guy's just a, one of the one of the absolute best I've ever stepped into the ring with. He's as good as everybody says he is, and it was it, it was a major pleasure for me. It was awesome. An awesome, crazy Friday. But if you thought you were done there, oh no, <laughs> oh no, we're just getting this machine started. The madness continued to Monday, where you now find yeah. yourself in the main event of Raw with Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you? Again, another situation incredibly similar without the, it wasn't quite as last minute as SmackDown, but still fairly last minute, like, uh, you know, about 24 hours notice. Um, but, but yeah, that again was another thing. Seth was a guy very similar to Brian. It was like when I had first started working for Ring of Honor without any sort of contract, that was when Brian had left. And then I remember the day that I signed my first ever wrestling contract for Ring of Honor was the day that Seth had his farewell match. And he was actually wrestling Roderick Strong, ironically enough. But um, yeah, so again, he's another guy that I had never gotten the chance to wrestle before. And one of those guys that was very high on my list of guys I wanted to, to step into the ring with. So 
just a, yeah, between Brian on Friday and then Seth on Monday, two of, you know, in my opinion and many people's opinions, the absolute best at what we do to be able to tangle with them for the first time was really cool. And I'd like to think that it won't be the last time. I have a feeling it won't be, especially after those two performances. But what's what's going on on NXT this coming Wednesday? What's, what yeah, do you and the, the Undisputed Era have in store? We're getting closer and closer to war games. So I think people are you know, more and more questioning of what, what exactly is war games going to entail. We know that the women have a war games match. People are wondering if the men are going to do the same thing. If it were up to me, I say yes. The Undisputed Era has been in you know, the first and second ever war games. In WWE history, we want to be in the third one, and, and we'll fight whoever. If Tommaso Ciampa wants to get involved, he can. If, if Matt Riddle wants to get involved, he can. We're not too sure who it's going to be, but if, again, if it was up to me, Undisputed Era against some team uh, in, in War Games 3. Well, I'm a big fan of what you and the Undisputed Era have accomplished thus far, and I'm not the only one. What does it mean to Adam Cole, the lifelong wrestling fan, to have somebody like Shawn Michaels as a, a mentor down in NXT? absolutely priceless you know for for many people i am one of these people thinks he's just the absolute greatest of all time the greatest to ever do it so so for him to be so invested in me and so many of his guys as far as wanting them to succeed is just so surreal like like sean puts just as much effort in, in being a mentor and being a coach as he did as a performer and and to see him get all giddy and excited when when any of us do well or, or have a really cool thing happen for them. He's always there. If you got a big day, like Sean was one of those guys that sent me a text, you know, the night before Raw and gave me like a little pep talk, which is so cool to me just to have that relationship with him and have his support. I feel like I've learned things that, you know, I'll never forget, obviously, um, you know, considering his knowledge and the things that he's done. So again, when I, when I think of my time in WWE, that will always go down as one of the most important and memorable things to me is the relationship I have with Sean. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I have no doubt you've got a lot more to accomplish here in the world of WWE. We've got the next takeover coming up with war games. We've got survivor series where for the first time it will be raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, which in and of itself seems surreal to me. Um, so, Hey man, there's a lot of awesome things happening for you. I'm happy for you. We're all cheering you on. Just don't, uh, don't bring the fight on Friday night. And if you do stay away from the commentary table, all right, I got work to do. Fair enough. I, I could agree with that. I could agree with that. <laughs> All right, Adam. Good luck, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it, Corey. There he was, NXT champion Adam Cole. Always cool to get his perspective on things as, as sort of one of the rising stars taking over WWE, pun heavily intended. All right. What a week. What a day. Yet another episode of After the Bell comes to a close. Be sure and give us a follow at AfterTheBellWWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you're chatting about us, good, bad, or indifferent, use the hashtag AfterTheBell. Follow me personally at WWEGraves on Twitter, on Instagram. Subscribe to ATB. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Help get the word out. And uh, if you're using Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you once again to all my guests today, Adam Cole, Tyson Fury, Cesaro. I am still running on fumes, but before I run out, here's a little Leo Tolstoy for you. The two most powerful warriors are patience and time. There's a little zen for you. I am full of it. 
Zen, not the other thing or whatever you thought I meant. I don't know. I'll be back next week. Hopefully I'll have a little more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. WWE Podcast. If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment. Fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun.